Hello, wherever you are in the world today, welcome to Beyond the Art in our series, The Stories That Carry Us. I'm your host, Craig Beaumont Flynn, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and the Delaware Tribe of Indians. In each episode, we will discuss with various Native American artists, influencers, art leaders, and everyone in between their experiences, the communities they serve, and the translation and interpretation of the Native American art world today. Today we have Dustin Mater, a Chickasaw Nation citizen and a multimedia artist. Dustin, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. Thanks for having me, Craig. Well, tell us a little bit about your story and your background and what drives you to be a professional artist. Um, um gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, now you got me. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, my name is Dustin Litowaki Mater. Um, I'm a multimedia artist uh, and graphic designer. Uh, I've been doing graphic design professionally for about uh, maybe about like uh, uh, 16, 17 years and been doing uh, uh, indigenous fine art, um, gosh, since uh, about 2010 um, in a, in a full time uh, capacity. Um, so what's your, I've just, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, what's your perspective of being a native American artist and how does that drive you in your creativity? Um, well, when I was growing up as a kid, uh, I had these amazing stories that, that were passed down to me from my grandmother and my mom and, uh, different elders and, and folks in the community. Uh, but I never had any visual context to go with it. It's part of the, uh, removal process and the boarding schools and, just the uh, general point of survival in the 20th century um, really kind of put a lot of the visual iconography uh, on pause in my community, unfortunately, and or at least where I grew up here in, in Oklahoma. But, um, you know, when I moved to Los Angeles, I saw uh, uh, the south, uh, southeastern shell carvings and they were like light motifs that my grandmother talked about. And then I started reading where they were found and it was just like, Oh, all, all the, all of a sudden those seeds that she planted in my head or kind of were started sprouting up like, Oh, that, that's what this is. That, that's what she was Connecting talking the about. Dots, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. So a, a lot of what I do is just, I grew up in a time when there wasn't that kind of visual iconography that connected them on a visual standpoint, folks to the culture and, and the time that I've kind of come on board um, you know, I joined in this, this Southeastern Renaissance, so to speak of, of, uh, just the multitude of, of, uh, mo designs and motifs that are coming to light. And I, I was, uh, lucky enough to, um, you know, have some chance encounters with some, uh, truly, uh, uh, sublime artists that, uh, some that are not with us anymore that just uh, they recognized the earnestness of what I was trying to do. And they were, they were very uh, willing to be sharing um, with that knowledge. And uh, so I've tried to utilize it and, and, and in a way that um, because, you know, I grew up in the eighties and nineties. And mm -hmm. so I was a pop culture sponge. So right. it's, it's, it's all <laughs> that stuff that was building up in me and, and then just kind of pushing it out uh, uh, in this kind of hybridization of, uh, traditional Southeastern culture with uh, design aesthetics. 
So what drove you in the direction in, in going to more Native American type um, artistry than the typical mainstream? I've, I've done a lot of different uh, uh, jobs and graphics, um, but nothing really kind of scratched that creative itch that I had um, like doing uh, Native art, specifically Southeastern art. It, 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 it just is, I'm on the ground floor in this Renaissance and, and right. I'm one small cog in a very large machine of, of artisans who are, who are gaining illumination and, and, and making big gains in what was lost for over a century, uh, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I mean, obviously not everyone is like uniformly, uh, missing those icons, but, um, and that really is what mm-hmm. drives me a lot of my work uh my in my portraiture uh i never saw in galleries or in museums women depicted that look like my mother or look like the people in my community I, you know there there were always like some that were like in this kind of well in the europeans first contact uh they made them a lot of them look like cherubs like fat cherubs and right. you know very roly <laughs> and, and not really depicting um True representation. <laughs> right, right. And so it, it's uh, a, a moment to uh, show uh, an opportunity for me to show my mom to the world, to for the world to kind of see these amazing people in my community. But um, in a lot of these portraits, they have their traditional tattoos on the face and on their bodies that to connote, you know, their ancestors carrying, they carry with them. And, Mm. you know, it's one thing to see someone that's depicted that maybe isn't someone from your community, but to see someone in your community that, you know, and they have those adornments or they have those tattoos, it, it, it's empowering to a a lot of young people. And, and I Mm. see it in my kids and I see it in, in like kids in our, in our community who've like never known a day without these designs around them, without something that can help them see themselves in these uh, uh, in these designs, you know, and it gives them a sense of like belonging and a greater sense of right. uh, ownership in their community. And I think connectivity as well, that yeah. they're not yeah. uh, being misrepresented and they see someone like themselves, you know, yeah. true representation. So you mentioned your grandmother um, with uh, Shell Artistry. Was she uh, an artist? Uh, no. No, No. (laughs) she, she was a storyteller and, um, um, she was a midwife and, and, um, she was very active in the community and, uh, she was from eighth generation of, uh, women who, who did this kind of, uh, stuff. And, uh, I was just blessed to where I asked questions and had enough foresight to ask, uh, uh, questions that kind of started with my grandfather, her son. And then it just kind of snowballed into where she would tell me about pre-contact time and during the during removal and and during first contact with the conquistadors, and it filled my hyperactive imagination uh, with ideas and these visions of, of adventure. Because when I was a kid, you know, um, my north star was like uh, King Arthur's table and the and the knights of uh, the knights of the round <laughs> table. And, uh, uh, you know, Arabian Nights and Lawrence of Arabia and the, uh, 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 
you know, Jason Argonauts. And that's, that's what really got me into, because I didn't really have, uh, the visual context and had some of the stories. Um, but I just kind of felt adrift growing up. And so I would, uh, you know, I read Batman, I, uh, you know, read all these adventure things and it got me into like comparative mythology and religion kind of ideas, which helped me kind of view my own culture and, and, introspective way differently mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some of the some of the uh, same items that are relative and i think in the native american culture is, is the folklore and the stories that are passed down from generation to generation um, yeah. how would you uh, describe yourself as an artist um uh i put too many things on my plate <laughs> <laughs> A lot of balloons in the air. <laughs> yeah, a lot of balloons in the air. Um, well, I mean, um, you're a multimedia artist, so when you start that creative process, is it predetermined in your dreams and in, in your mind state of what you're going to create, uh, be it shell, be it painting, be it graphics, or any other type of form of uh, artistry? Or, and do you like sit down and start sketching something before it becomes a reality and what direction for you to go? Um, well, in the instance of the of the um, the ledger doodles, uh, I may have like some uh, quick sketches that I do beforehand just to kind of build up some muscle memory of like certain curves and where mm-hmm. I want the general placement of things. But in pretty much all my artwork, I may have like a defined place of where I want to stop, but I, I I'm not married to the final design unless I'm like being commissioned to specifically do something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I completely love the serendipitous adventure. I find that where the un, when the unplanned is allowed to um, take hold when you're designing something, there's such a sublime beauty to it that is like would have been way better than anything that I would have intentionally done. Um, mm-hmm. But I do find myself uh, uh, doing stuff that in the after afterthought, I, I, I realize that oh wait a minute, I think the I think the subconscious was driving this ship um because there'll be like this new series of, of ledgers that i'm doing it's called uh Sintiholo donuts it's the horned serpent donuts and they're these like sugary sweet glazed donuts with sprinkles and everything um but when i got to looking at it and i got to really thinking about it you know there, there's this undertone and undercurrent of you know what is in our indigenous communities that is sickly sweet and full of venom and that's, you know, like the struggles with diabetes and the struggles mm-hmm. with like um, a lot of dietary issues. And that's what kind of, you know, is like, whoa, was that what I was trying to and say in this motif? Right. And, these, and so um, I, I'm, I'm really kind of in love with the, the serendipitous adventure and the creative process because I feel like whenever I – the best stuff comes whenever I'm like, I allow myself to be loose with the, with the Mm -hmm. design. So when you start creating, are you taking old historical stories and part of your, the cultural elements of your background? Are you kind of creating in a new, in a new way to tell that story and with more modern aspects, I guess, intertwined into it? Um, Yes and no. It really depends <laughs> on uh, uh, what my. It, it really depends on what my uh, goal is. Uh, you know, there is mm-hmm. some instances where I want to be very, very 
traditional in that, you know, they're wearing the traditional tattoos and the placement they would be. It's a good estimation of like exactly how they wear their hair and how they uh, uh, wear the, the, the robes or the ribbon, their uh, feather capes and, mm-hmm. or breech cloths. And then you have other instances where it's uh, fantastical and it's more of just the general feeling you're trying to convey. Um, it, it, it's, it's more situational than anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I think this kind of goes back to, you know, my first 20 years, I was like, I felt like a sponge where I, every time I wanted to say something to people or, you know, I would just kind of freeze up and be like, ah, and then afterwards, and I could it would just kind of flow out and, right. uh, something happened. I guess it's whenever my daughter was born and I needed to put uh, food on the day- table and diapers on the baby that kind of <laughs> uh, freed me from any uh, uh, frozen inhibition uh, that I had had. Um, and so now it's just, I have to make it work. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to put food on the table. Do you have an oh, yeah. overlying theme to some of your work? Is there a particular story you're trying to tell to the, I would say, non-native audience? Um, I think part of it is just showing the sublime beauty in our community and being, um, the narrators of our own story, making, you know, this, uh, the idea of the, uh, I mean, we're all telling our own myths and our own stories as Obi-Wan says, uh, you know, it's true from a certain point of view, um, or, you know, when you look at petroglyphs, some of the petroglyphs are larger than the others. And it's not to indicate that they were giants, but that they were indication of like, they had such a larger than life personality or what they represented to the community was kind of symbolized in that. But my work, uh, is for, uh, you know, showing to people is just the beauty in, in the community to show, have places in museums and galleries that never would have had a picture of my mom on their walls mm. would never have had a, a portrait of my cousin who was like picking wild onions. Um, right. You know, with that kind of horizon and it, it's uh, sharing this beautiful uh, uh, culture that's living and breathing. And we're, you know, we're taking it on our own terms and, 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 you know, sharing it with the world. Um, yeah, and it's continuing to grow. You know, I, I think a lot of yeah. people think of Native American art as something that was not what is, and it's continuing yes. to, to morph. And you mentioned a Renaissance uh, being a part of that uh, collective Renaissance of Native American artists. Why do you think that is now at this point in time? Because um, prior to two thousand, you never would have really seen uh, a shell carving. Um, and, and in this community, you wouldn't have seen a lot of these design motifs, whether it be the Falcon man, or it be the sun circles, or it would be the, uh, um, host of all the Southeastern motifs that were in a sense lost, uh, to a lot of us. Um, but you know, you have people like Tom Phillips, Margaret Roach Wheeler, um, uh, Brenda Kingry and, and, um, then you go into like the Seminole artist, uh, Kelly Haney and the, uh, the Cherokee, uh, Creek artist, um, Dan Townsend, you know, all mm-hmm. of whom I, I share, a, a major debt to, um, for what they accomplished and what they're doing and, or what they did and, um, you know, how it pushes other artists, not just myself, but other, mm-hmm. uh, Southeastern artists and, and, 
uh, to ask questions. I mean, but it all comes back to like, you know, uh, TC Cannon and the, that whole renaissance of what, you know, when they did what they did for like Plains and uh, uh, Southwestern style and his pop Correct. culture, yeah. uh, you know, designs. He was like, we are the children of TC Cannon and the grandchildren of like his whole uh, uh, way he approached indigenous art. And, and, you know, even the ancestors who are doing these ancient pieces on shells and doing on uh, leather or wood, that was contemporary art of their time. And mm -hmm. I, I like to think that this is just carrying on tradition um, that we may not do it exactly the same way, but right. uh, creating like this, um, you know, grabbing neat little items and incorporating it into my designs is something that my ancestors would have done. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see through their eyes in a sense mm -hmm. by having to create something and find solutions to problems in a creative way. Now, when you, when you do create, do you create and focus on your own, uh, Chickasaw, um, background or do you extract from various other, uh, tribal communities when you start creating your art? Um, most of my work, I, I try to, because there's so much that was lost and, 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 you know, we're still right in the middle. I'm only like second generation of, of this Renaissance. There are people that are going to find more and, and, you know, we're getting a clearer and clearer image of, uh, what come before, but it, mm -hmm. it, it's, I focus a lot of mine on the Chickasaw story just because it hasn't been represented in a way that was satisfactory to me. Um, but because there's sometimes there we lack some context sometimes and uh, because it's a growing process and the designs that I may have done in the past may be a bit more evolved now. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I use like a lot of the communities that were surrounding the Chickasaws in antiquity. So I'll use some of the Creek um, motifs, uh, especially the ones that were like right on the border of where the Chickasaw were or the Appalachie or, uh, you know, uh, anywhere that our native, uh, Antique and Nafki, our brothers and sisters, um, uh, we lived, that is like, we're playing a game of like clue or telephone. And all we have mm -hmm. is, uh, the puzzle pieces from our siblings, uh, because the instructions are, uh, gone. And right. so we're, it, it's a lot of piecing this back together. A lot of my work is just asking questions and these designs and putting, incorporating them in there. And the viewer has this opportunity to kind of think about it and maybe say, you know what, that might not be really ours, but right. you know, uh, uh, if it was worn this particular way in the head dress or, um, and, and you know, each, you know, each piece that I make, it's a conversation starter and, and I interact with folks. Um, and I gain knowledge too, by talking with people because it's, it broaches the conversation. Uh, there was a piece that I did called uh, uh, Muskokie and Gothic, and it was like a, a light uh, play on the uh, uh, American Gothic. So, But in, in, in antiquity, the farmer was the woman, and the men mm -hmm. was more like uh, was like the, the, the bimbo, so the himbo. Right. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the questions I'd always had after making this, but before that, was like, how could we be a matriarchal society yet have a multitude of wives? And um, I actually had an elder that had a conversation with me about that painting. And I asked him, I go, well, how did that work? And he, he told me it, it worked because the woman and her mother 
pick the, the husband. And if he did his work uh, and to his, his wife and his community, he was a good provider and whatnot mm-hmm. and his upright citizen, uh, he would be permitted to have another wife. And it would usually be her sister or her clan sister because uh, he would be part of that, that clan now. And I had no kind of visual or no kind of context to go with how that worked. And, uh, but this elder, he broke it down in a way that it, it made sense. And the only way that would have uh, happened is if I would have made this painting. And, and that's what I love about you know art and, and, and making artwork for the community and people that outside the tribal community enjoy it as well. Uh, that's, Mm -hmm. that's always the bonus. Uh, but a lot of it is just, uh, showing people in in my community, you know, uh, where we come from and, uh, who you belong to and that kind Mm -hmm. of idea. And, uh, it's fun. It's fun that that kind of conversation, it's a dance in in a sense. Right. Well, it shows a, a pride in your, in your community and pride in who you are and the story behind of who you are and why you are the way you are and creating that your story and continuing that story, if that makes sense. <laughs> what would you say is your biggest artistic influencer? Um, gosh. Well, I always think about my mom. That That's always a given. She was going to college uh, when I was a little boy and I got to go with her to art class and oh, wow. she made a, uh, um, for her art class, her final, she made a children's book. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And that's kind of one of those things that I was like, I want to do that. And I've done it. I've done it a few times, but I still met, try to measure myself to that book my mom made when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, uh, everyone from like Al Jeffries, um, the one that just recently passed away in Mad Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just... I read that book, like uh, that comic in that magazine, like a fiend growing up. Um, I love um, uh, all the comic book greats. I, 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 I'm just kind of like from everyone from McFarlane to uh, even like uh, uh, Steve Ditko is without a doubt, like those early 60s. Uh, 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 Ditko and Stan Lee. Uh, uh, now the, I'm drawing like Dr. Strange. There we go. Uh, mm-hmm. Those Dr. Strange comics are like some of the coolest because there was nothing going on like that. Um, and uh, I actually wrote to DC Comics when I was like in summer school at 10 years old because uh, I, I was like, I'm going to make comics. I'm going to make Batman comics or I'm going to do something like that. And uh, I got a letter back. Uh, I still have it somewhere. My mom saved it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, where they encourage me to continue drawing and, you know, apply again when I get older. Um, but, uh, uh, the, do you, does that still apply? I guess, uh, inspiring you from your youth to today, does part of those elements and comic books still inspire you? Oh, sure. Creating, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, anytime I need a, a creative bump, I find myself watching star Wars or watching, <laughs> uh, uh, like never ending story or, uh, uh, you know, one of those happy place, uh, um, movies where I got like something, but sometimes those movies are, are better left in your memories. And those just mm-hmm. let those inspire you. 
Like, uh, like I would recommend Flight of the Navigator just to stay in your mind as your memories because it, it, it's not as good as you remember as a kid. Um, no. But those kind of, uh, you know, I was just a sponge and I, that creative incubation, everything from like The Simpsons to uh, I, I watched the, the animated movie Heavy Metal way too early as a kid. And uh, um, but all those components that terrified me, that delighted me, they're all in me. And, and like there's like. I, I remember my mom was on a, a religious kick back in the eighties and I was banned from watching He-Man and it was like the forbidden <laughs> fruit. You're not supposed to do it. So I had to go to my friend's house and watch it. And I gave myself up that night cause I had a nightmare about Skeletor laughing and it was like, <laughs> and I, you know, it woke me up in terror. And, uh, but it is like all that stuff that kind of challenged me, uh, uh and scared me as a kid is like, that's the stuff I'm still like thinking about and inspired by, you know, those Imagineers at Disney, mm -hmm. uh, uh, are just so cutting edge and genius that even looking at like the art, you know, how they make the, the films and how they do, uh, the behind the scenes stuff and the sausages made was just so, uh, inspiring. Uh, I not only wanted to watch the movies or create the object, see the objects, I wanted to make the objects, um, I, I've always kind of just been like that of like, Oh, well, I don't have it around me. I'm going to try making it. So you're, you're constantly motivated. So what, what actually motivates you to create then? That's a hard one. Um, I guess that's, on that falls in the <laughs> no, no, it, it's far deeper than that. I would be creating if there was no one around. Uh, I think what that's it comes down to is it's the song of my soul and how I can sing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I, I made a Faustian deal when I was a kid. I've talked about this before with other artists. All artists make a Faustian deal when you're a child. It's probably why kids shouldn't sign contracts. <laughs> but um, it, it, in that, I can never stop. It's as, mm. it's as like intrinsic to me as breathing or drinking a glass of water. Um, I'll die with a paintbrush or a pen in my hand. Um, and that's okay. Uh, uh, when I was growing up, I was always kind of hounding, like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Mm. You know, I would pray and, 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 you know, try to find answers and it's to create. Uh, and so I, I just. Comes from the soul. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been creating since some of my very first memory. One of my first memories was like I was two and I was drawing a trainer and an engineer. And I think I'm still trying to chase that praise uh, that I got from my mom and my grandfather as a little kid because uh, it looked like a trainer and an engineer even back then. <laughs> that uh, uh, I think maybe that's part of like what I'm chasing after in some subconscious way. But uh, um, yeah, I, I just... I love it. I, I, I love the ability to, no matter uh, what's going on in life, there is a liberation. And if you can create, even if you don't have like uh, any freedom at all, being mm -hmm. able to make a piece of art just for yourself, it creates a secret garden. Um, you know, when there was a lot of struggle growing up as a kid, um, that was, that was my safe space was to, was to draw and create and, you know, it was only for me, but it was like, right. it was what needed. Well, you're using your, all your natural senses, you know, your brain, your hands, your eyes, your scent, every aspect of your body in, into creating. So I, I understand that factor 
completely where it comes from your soul and part of your DNA to do it. Maybe if it's just for you, it's just for you, but that natural ability. Um, what are some of the poignant pieces that you can really think of that you say, that's the essence of me. That's the true essence of me. Oh, uh, it would have to be a lot of pieces from the silly to the, uh, uh, profane. Uh, my, I guess my most, my most, uh, recent one that I, I feel so strongly about is my Muskokian Gothic at present. It's at the Fahrenheit gallery in Santa Fe. Um, mm. and that was just, it's, it was so much fun to create. Uh, I love, absolutely love painting Southeastern women. Uh, and it, this was my, uh, my friend who, uh, posed for me. And, uh, it was, it's, it's, that's one of my favorites. Uh, I think, gosh, there's a piece that I did a very long time ago, um, in 2001 when my dad died, that was real special to me. Uh, and it was kind of funny cause my mom, uh, she passed away in, in 14 and literally a month before she passed away, she finally noticed that picture. Uh, uh, that I had wow. made and it was, uh, and, and how much she admired it. And that was just like, Oh, okay. That's cool that she saw that. Um, uh, gosh, I, I guess that would have to a mix of like the three worlds, which was a shell piece that I made, uh, uh, out of lightning whelk, Angora, uh, mm -hmm. 350 black freshwater pearls, um, cast gold, copper and um stingray was uh probably wow. one of my absolute favorites so besides being um, in a renaissance collective you are a renaissance man that's a lot of uh, various aspects to create a piece yeah yeah uh i i am it, it's like i said it, it's less about the the medium and the materials and it's just that song i have in my heart and uh what I need to, uh, create. Uh, I, I, I remember reading a line from, um, Salvador Dali, um, talking about like, this was like in his last days and he was no longer had the facilities to create anymore. And mm -hmm. he was talking to the man who was interviewing him and he was talking about like how he still sees the patterns. He still sees the movements. He still sees everything and never stops. And that's what I was getting at about like that Faustian deal is, is like, even if I'm not doing anything, I'm just sitting down. I, like when I was in the hospital, uh, uh, recovering from like getting surgery on my shoulder and I'm just kind of staring off into space, I still see these shifting patterns. I still see all those things. So whether or not you're creating, it's, it's still right in front of me. Uh, mm -hmm. so I, it's, it's, it's me. It's you. Well, that's the way it should be. It's you. What are what is maybe a piece or two that you were most surprised on the reaction or attention it received? Um, I was kind of surprised how little reaction I got from my piece Muskokie and Gothic, and how much praise and attention I got for my uh, uh, my candy donut snakes really uh <laughs> what did you think it was going to be reversed 
Yeah, I thought I thought yeah. that, like that was to be like, oh my god, that's so cool. You know, you got all these different colors, there's pearlescence, and there's liquid crystal in the eye, so it shifts with the temperature, and then uh, barely a peep. <laughs> I still have it almost <laughs> a year later, but uh, my 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 I'm on my uh, sixth or no, I'm on my eighth uh, um, uh, donut snake. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're, <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I've just tried to be really hard to be like Jasper Johns and just be relaxed to it. Just is what it is. <laughs> right. Right. You do what you can and the translation or interpretation is it's up to the, that person to, uh, to decide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, so is there a, um, is there a definitive process, uh, that you go through when creating? We lightly touched on it previously, uh, short time ago, but is there an actual process that you do when you sit down or in your studio that you go through in creating? Um, well, for, for like the, for the drawings and the paintings, that is usually a host of like sketches in my sketchbook or on notes and that I kind of collect together. Um, mm -hmm. but if it's like a shell piece, I kind of have to let the shell speak to me in a sense because there mm -hmm. are structural structural uh uh irregular era there is structural um irregularities, irregularities. yeah yeah that, that are uh that where there might be cracks or it might be thinner in other spots versus others the curves you know it's the same kind of process that like the uh the ancient people that did petroglyphs in those caves mm -hmm. in France and in, and in Spain where they would make the bowl, but they would do it on the curve of the wall. So it kind of would show the haunch and that kind of dimensionalism component of, of the bowl to kind of give it a 3d effect. And so I, I, I when I'm looking at these shell pieces, you know, uh, I, I have to kind of let it speak to me. And well, and this is where like the serendipitous adventure comes in. I have an idea, like I'm going to do the Panther or I'm going to do uh, uh, like the horned serpent, Sinti Holo. Mm -hmm. um, and I might have a loose sketch of what I want to do, but I try not to be so uh, married to the final outcome because uh, my initial design may have been rushed or may not have been fully thought out in a way that once it's there, uh, uh, this loop, performs better or looks better in this curve versus what I originally had planned or well there's a there was a shell piece that I did recently it was actually a buffalo horn and I had to sand down the entire horn to uh, to smooth it out again because I had carved the hand uh, uh, the constellation of Orion it's the it's that upside down hand with the eye in it okay mm -hmm. um, I, I carved it about a half an inch too far to the left. And this, the whole uh, uh, shell or this buffalo horn was now cockeyed, and I had to sand the whole thing down and start fresh. But from doing that, uh, I kind of saw in the grains this looping knots of a snake instead. And so I started kind of drawing that out, and I kind of carved that a little bit, and then it just kind of started forming. And so now I have this coiled uh, uh, serpent design that is uh i'm, I'm gonna have ready probably today or tomorrow uh, when i get home fantastic and do you have your own uh 
Do you sell online? Do you hit the markets? Do you go to the various art shows? Where, where is the best way that someone listening uh, could see your work and become a collector of yours? Um, well, I'm in. Uh, I'm online um, to a, a limited degree. Uh, I have items at uh, the Fahrenheit Gallery in Santa Fe, the Wild Gallery in, in Austin, uh, Exhibit C in uh, Burktown, Oklahoma City, and at the uh, 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 Tribes Gallery in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, I'm also, uh, my work can be seen at the National Portrait Gallery, at the NMAI, um, in Washington, D.C., I have a shell gorget of Commander John Harrington, the first native astronaut who was also Chickasaw, that's mm -hmm. on permanent display there. The last I had heard, it was in the National Portrait Gallery. Um, I'm also, I have some pieces in Orianda uh, Arts International that's in Paris. And uh, I go to, I usually go to like, uh, uh, I'm always at the Artesian Art Market, which is actually coming up this Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, I do the Cherokee Art Market, um, but in this past couple of years, I haven't done the uh, the Santa Fe Art Market just because I've been at uh, uh, the Fahrenheit uh, show that right. that the uh, um, the folks in, in, at the gallery I'm representing uh, at down there in Santa Fe uh, has. Do you think, um, so there's a, a, quite a, a plethora of venues and areas and places people can go to see your work. Sure. I'm sure there's more, but I'm blanking out. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, do you, do you think you take creative risk? Yeah. Every day. Yeah. In fact, I was talking to my son about that kind of thing, just in general about how, um, I used to skateboard uh, for like about 25 years. I had a good run. And um, I always found that when I hesitated, I could never land an ollie. I could never do it. But when I just committed to it, that if I'm going to fall on my face, I'm going to fall on my face. Or if I'm going to land it, I'm going to land it. That's when I landed <laughs> it. It was when I held back that I would fall on my face. And mm -hmm. I've tried to take that approach to uh, my work when I've tried to be cautious and tried to be... Uh, hold back it doesn't seem to doesn't really seem to work on the large scale but whenever i just go all in uh sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and, and you know i have like kind of a shotgun blast effect where i just spray everything against the wall and see what works because there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that doesn't but you know i can't really be sure what will and so right. i just kind of put it out there and uh whatever kind of grabs people then i'll focus in on Fantastic. Do you think, are you one of those artists that likes to collaborate in a creative process or would you, would you rather pursue your own direction and not be influenced from the outside from another artist? Um, I guess it really depends on the piece. I, I love yeah. collaborating with people. I love kind of having people in the party. Um, so mm -hmm. to speak. So I know like you spoke to Brian Waitula uh, recently. Yes. He's part yes. of a, he's part of a touring show that I'm in uh, called collective wisdom wisdom. And mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately I didn't get to collaborate with him, but I did collaborate with uh, Billy Hensley. Um, 
what is her name? Uh, Kristen Gentry. Uh, 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 did I do one, Kristen? I don't think I did one with, uh, with oh, okay. Kristen. Uh, but I I did do a portrait of Kristen recently. Uh, she uh, she posed for a uh, a portrait and in, in the style of like the uh, the traditional women that I do, mm-hmm. and I I drew her image on a uh, eighteen ninety eight. Indian Territory ledger, uh, oh, wow. or map, I should say, uh-huh. uh, and uh, I'll send you the picture of that um, uh, where she is like uh, because she's a, a creator. I have the hand of the creator in her palm, and, and uh, <laughs> um, because she's Chada, I have uh, the horned serpent coiled in her hand as well, and uh, and just just there's a whole variety of, of design motifs that I tried to incorporate that she asked me to include in there. Um, uh, but there's just, I love collaborating with folks, it, but like I said, it really just depends. Uh, there's some it's projects true, yeah. that are so big that you got to bring in other help, um, to mm-hmm. kind of, uh, bring something on board. Um, but I'm good for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> do you do commissions? I do. Uh, I do yeah. commissions and, uh, that one I did for Kristen was a commission. Uh, and, uh, the, the, the three worlds, uh, the, the big lightning whelk with the, all the Angora and, and the shell and this and the, the pearls and everything. I was actually commissioned by the Oriana arts international or yeah, to, to, to do a second one. The original one was purchased by the, by the Chickasaw nation for, mm-hmm. uh, one of their offices. And the gallery in, in Paris saw it, and they were like, "We want that." And they weren't interested in any of my paintings, but they wanted that <laughs> shell creation because I had never seen anything like it. It's about as big wow. as a human head. And, really? Uh, yeah, I'll send you a picture of one of them. And what, what uh, type of shell was it? It was uh, it was a uh, lightning whelk. So it was like from the Gulf of Mexico, uh, one of those mm. big, big conch type shells. Right. right. Um, and uh, I had drilled uh, this man that's praising the creator and, and the stars are represented by the 350 black pearls and uh, the representation of Abu Benili, the creator, was cast out of uh, 24 karat gold. Wow. I'm sure it's beautiful. Turquo- I'd love to see with it. With a turquoise bead right in the middle of its eye. So talking about jewelry, you have the piece around your neck. That's a new creation as well. Yes, sir. And what is that? Uh, it is a T-Rex. And what's that? What is it made out of? It is a, a pre-Victorian era uh, Tahitian uh, uh, black lip oyster shell. And the reason I can say that with certainty about it, you know, being pre-Victorian, is I was working on a on a uh, a project in Toronto um, for Monique Mojica and uh, Lee and Professor Lee and Hal, and uh, I, I got to uh, go to like these antique shops and there was an, there was like this antique shop in Toronto that was like open since like 1880s and they mm. had a bill of uh, uh, like a purchase, a bill of purchase uh, uh, paper that came with these like Tahitian abalone, uh, you know, shell uh, oyster shells and they were huge. Uh, some were broken and I was able to purchase it and the purchase date of when they got it themselves was 1890 and these wow. shells were as big as my head so they were way older than you know queen victoria 
And, and so, uh, what, what made you create that piece, or what what uh, drove you? Well, this doing was that? actually a bit of upcycling. Um, I okay. originally created <laughs> a panther a panther god uh, uh, shell necklace, and uh, it's where the panther god is sitting on its on its knees and a very stylized pose. Um, my son dropped the shell uh, when we were moving some stuff from art market, and I was just packing it up. So when once the piece broke, uh, you know, I put it in that drawer for saving it for later. And then I uh, was look pulling out the the drawer, and uh, I was looking at all these shell pieces, and I just it just happened to be in an angle of the of the panther god's body. And it just the light hit it in a certain way, and all I could see was like the mouth line of it, of it, and the nose of like a T Rex, mm-hmm. and that's like that that creative wiggle that you know that Salvador Dali was talking about. Could always see you know like the sh- the faces in rocks and and in the walls and the uh, you know the shapes that your body your mind can see and like in the, in the your pattern recognition kind of tool, and. Um, I could see the T-Rex. And then as soon as I saw the T-Rex, I could hear the Jurassic Park music in my head. And then <laughs> it was just like, okay, I got to make this. And uh, um, it, it just kind of, it really took shape really quickly. And uh, the hardest part was just trying to find a good piece of uh, leather to string this up. I got some nice elk hide and uh, that, uh, that helped uh, kind of yeah. string it together. That's cool. It came together. You're hearing voices of how to create. <laughs> I, I saw it, so I don't know. Oh, if that's you saw the, it. I don't know. If, <laughs> that doesn't sound much better. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it all depends on how you look at it, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> when you get up in the morning, what's the story you want to tell to the world about Dustin Mater, the Native American artist? Is that a little um, easier? <laughs> A little bit. Um, well, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even uh, uh, specifically say uh, uh, you know Native American artist. I'm I'm a Native artist. I'm an artist that's Native. I guess would be a better way okay. to phrase it. But I'm um, that my conversations with the viewers and the people was always kind of honest and that uh uh i may have not had the answers but i had a question and that question spurs more questions and sometimes it is just a way to kind of give perspective and Mm -hmm. um if my work helps people see themselves Mm -hmm. and empowers them in a way that is um you know, it empowers them. They see themselves in a more empowered way. Then I think uh, that would be a good uh, uh, thought for the artist Dustin Mater. Is like when people think of me, they they feel like uh, a sense of empowerment. They see themselves in these pieces, and uh, that they feel like they own it. That's good. See, that was an easy answer. <laughs> But, it, but uh, you know, like the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is r- really hard, but it's, you know, I just, I try not to look at my phone. I try not to look at anything. I don't, uh, you know, what people owe me or what I owe the world. And I do my, uh, you know, my meditations and prayers and uh, then kind of having, you know, once the dog's done with his business, um, I go inside and go work out. But it's like I find my center point and 
uh, or, or I go create immediately after if, mm-hmm. if it hits me. Um, I, I always think of like uh, one of my favorite lines in growing up was from uh, Arabian Nights. And it says, if you find yourself waking up before the sun rises, don't go back to sleep. The night has secrets to tell you. And that is like, it's fertile, uh, creative incubation time. And, uh, so like before I start checking the internet and and my emails and that kind of stuff, uh, if I feel led to it, I just start creating right away. I'll have to remember that one because I have a tendency to wake up at 3 (laughs) a.m. So (laughs) I wake up at 3.50 almost on the dot. Oh, I'll start looking for that uh, secrets that someone's trying to tell me. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience about you, your artwork, your craft? Some um, ending remarks? My work is an evolving process. I don't know what the final... I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm, I'm just as excited to see where this goes as you all are, uh, those that are interested. Um, um, but it's yet to be determined. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I don't know. I think I'm getting better. I, yeah. I, and it, it spurs me to create more. And, uh, so, um, what would you, know, you tell your younger you, self, the aspiring artist? When look, you have be, that time, be open, uh, be open to advent, be open to uh, possibilities and say yes to the adventure and not to be so married to what you what you think that you need versus mm-hmm. what you actually do. Um, the mind gets ahead of the heart sometimes as far as what you need. And I, I would definitely just encourage him to keep pushing forward that uh, his hopes and his goals are not in vain and are not foolish. Um, for a long time, my uh, fuel was all the, the negative uh, stuff of people telling me I won't be an artist. There's no way I could be an artist or never, you know, I'll never get out of the, the situation I was in. And to, uh, you know, as a kind of a punk rock middle finger, it's like, I'll show you, I'm going right. to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm all <laughs> over, you know? Um, but now as I've, uh, acquiesced into this and I, I've been doing this for a long time and I see the, the, uh, the difference and like, I see my kids, you know, and I, yeah. I see how empowered they are. I don't have to be around them for them to garner that power. I don't have to be around other kids in my community because I can see it. And when I'm around them, when I'm around my, my kids' friends or, I'm, you know, in, in my community, there's people that don't even know they're fans of my work and they're wearing the shirts that I designed yeah. and they have no clue that, uh, who I am. That is cool because it's, it's, uh, getting notoriety without kind of, uh, 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 uh a way to kind of, right. Yeah. To be low key or, you know, that kind of thing is going to like, uh, but to see it and they not know I'm the man behind the scenes, like the wizard of Oz kind of situation, the man behind right. the curtain. Uh, that's a, it's a great feeling. Very cool. Very cool. It's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Would you, what would you say to someone that wants to be an artist, a youth that is struggling? Okay, do I do a dictated profession or do I do something that's coming from my soul? What would you say to that young aspiring artist? I, I would say, you know, it's good to take uh, um, note of other people's thoughts, but that in the end, 
you are the only person that has to walk through that doorway and to not let anyone's fears or prejudices stop you um, mm-hmm. from pursuing what you really want in life and, and, and to really put it out there uh, that of what you want and what you want to accomplish. It puts you on task a lot of times and to just, you know, not be married to what you think that you want uh, uh, and be open to it because there's so many opportunities that are going to reveal themselves that were in no way, shape or form what your goal was, you know, where you planned on going. And then all of a sudden you have this fork in the road and that if you take it, it opens up a whole new world. You know, whenever I was going to, uh, when I went to Red Earth for the first time, it was one of my goals. uh, One of my bucket lists when I was a kid was to do Red Earth. I remember my uncle went and I just thought that was so cool. And then once I did it, it wasn't very good sales, but I only had a brief encounter with Dan Townsend and Kelly Haney. Mm-hmm. And those two days with those two, um, you know, iconoclasts uh, ch- changed everything. I mean, Dan Townsend is the contemporary godfather of shell carving. Uh, without him, we, I don't know if anyone would be doing it. Dan started doing this in the 1970s before anyone knew uh, what he was doing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as bad as it was when I came on board, like in 2010. But I used to laugh with other Southeastern artists that it was like, we could play bingo uh, with the goofy questions that we'd get. And one of the common (laughs) ones, is this Mexican or is this Aztec? And it was like, that was the center bingo, uh, you know, free bingo number. Um, Because, you know, people had no context of any of this. There's Mm -hmm. still some of that, um, but it is, it's getting more and more, uh, people are aware of it. And, uh, um, you know, without Dan, uh, I wouldn't be where I am because it was from that moment, I immediately started shell carving and shell carving. And it just, it changed my entire, entire trajectory of my life. And then Kelly Haney was just so kind and generous over the years of, um, being a bit of a mentor to me, uh, about like, just to consider things, you know, and I never took a, much of his time and he was always uh you know other places and everything but uh, you know a few times that i had with him uh it really was like uh uh, gave me insight in a way you know it's just it's it's you know those moments in life where you don't know how long you have people in your life it may only be a day or two but those moments are you know something that rocks your entire universe into a way Mm -hmm. that it changes your your trajectory and uh I, I would just encourage those young artists that are coming up is to talk to people, be open, get out of your shell. Because you I talk mean, about it's Kelly great, being, yeah, it's a great way to open up and learn and listen and find your own path to success. You mentioned Kelly being a mentor of yours. Do you mentor young artists? Um, I try to. Um, I I did a gorget workshop where I taught. Uh, some of the design motifs uh, to my community and to uh, Chickasaws around the United States when I would go to their community councils as kind of a way to kind of be more knowledgeable uh, of the culture and be better consumers of the culture, uh, mm-hmm. which was fun uh, to kind of share what I had gained and so that they would start shelf carving and they would start creating mm-hmm. designs. And I see a lot of, uh, a lot of folks that have like the, like my little, weird twist on things in their designs now. So that makes me uh, 
uh, smile. Uh, but I, I have to say the first person that I really, young person that I mentored partially, and I am just so proud of her is, uh, Faithlin Seawright. She has become quite the, uh, creative, uh, powerhouse herself. But, uh, I was, uh, I had just started working for the Chickasaw nation when, uh, uh, she was like, like a little, uh, junior high teenager. And just like right. from, and it was just like, that's the first one I really was like, Oh, that's cool. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> I, I've had a little, I, I, I touched with the, my weirdness in a way that it's, I see it's kind of germated in her, in its own way with her. Fantastic. Well, that's achievable. That shows a, a shoot, uh, a sure talent when you're able to mentor someone and see them prosper and find their, again, path to their own success and prosper in a way that, you know, it's that growing period. You planted that seed. It must yeah. make you feel very proud. Oh yeah. It's a little weird sometimes when I see tattoos <laughs> that are my designs as well. And I see them on people. It's like, that's, that's kind of weird, but I like it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dustin, it's been a complete thrill and pleasure to have you on our show. Um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And taking the time and uh, sharing your story with us. Thank you. All right. Take care, Dustin. Thank you. Take care.